You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Hello and welcome to episode number five of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in the studio, as always, is Simon Waltorton. Hello, Simon. How are you? Yes, I'm uh, okay. A little bit saddened by uh, what's happened this week uh, regarding the uh, police Eurocopter EC-135. Yeah, we've uh, we've got that coming up in the news. That's uh, some quite sad news which has happened in the last few days in the UK. Um but uh, you've, you're uh, you're awake anyway, Simon. Yes, after just about your, after my seventy-two hour week. Seventy-two hour week <laughs> that uh, Simon's been doing. So uh, if I start, start drifting, uh, you'll have to bear with us. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll. I'll keep. I'll keep feeding him. Uh, well, we actually, we, we've got no um, uh, some, peanut puffs this week. Haven't no, we, we haven't. Uh, we've got some of uh, my wife's uh, Lynn's. Uh, Cherry Delight Cake, which we've both consumed uh, rather quickly. We both eat well, both eat and uh, both eat now. You've um, Simon's still got a mince pie left to eat, yes. So, uh, but uh, obviously, Carlos has just uh, vanished for some reason. Yeah, is it the uh, cat that's eaten them all? I don't no, know. no, no, it's definitely not the cat. <coughs> Excuse me, she's um, she's uh, quite happy with her at dreamies, I think. So, yeah. uh, but uh, welcome then to all our listeners uh, to episode five. Uh, we're uh, glad that uh, hopefully you're all still uh, tuning in to our um, weekly episodes of Plain Talking UK. Yeah. Uh, we've got some um, a wide range of listeners, haven't we, Yes, Simon? worldwide, some... uh, global now, um, which is uh, very nice. Uh, thanks uh, to all the people who listen to us yep. um, from all over the world. Uh, We've so, had uh, we've had some downloads from uh, from Thailand and uh, Korea and uh, yes. pretty much all around the globe. Yeah, it's been quite uh, New Zealand. Uh, yeah, it's uh, good. Uh, so we are actually uh, plain talk in UK, and we are global now. Yeah, we're global. It's we're official. Global. Yeah, so that uh, thanks for, uh, everyone for that. That's uh, most uh, kind of you. Yeah, and also just going to say a, a quick thanks as well to uh, to the guys at uh, the Airplane Geeks podcast, um, Max. Um, and uh, David and Rob Mark as well there for uh, for giving us a little mention on the show. Um, that's uh, great, greatly, uh, greatly thanks a lot uh, to you guys for doing that. And also a thanks as well to uh, Captain Jeff of the uh, Airline Pilot Guy podcast. He um, he gave us a mention as well on his last episode. Um, so, so that's actually boosted the ratings, hasn't it? That has bo- that has boosted our our, um, our downloads for definitely. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's been a great great uh, help guys so thanks very much for that don't forget you can you can download um both the uh podcast the airplane geeks podcast and the airline pilot guy podcast from itunes uh, which is where you can find our podcast as well um they're two great podcasts which i listen to every week um and look forward to uh, look forward to hearing those guys every week and uh they they make a really fantastic podcast so look those guys up so, we're going to go, as we always do on the show, and we're going to start off uh, with some news. So, if yes. you're ready, Simon. Yes, I'm ready, as always. Right, let's kick off the news. So kicking off this week's news then, we're going to start off with uh, some quite serious news actually of the um, crash in Glasgow of uh, the EC-135 um, police helicopter. 
quite uh, quite bad. That was quite sad. As yes, well, uh, yes. Uh, my wife's uh, Lynn. She's from Scotland. A lot of her family are up there. Um, do know the I do know the area uh, quite well, and um, it is sort of near enough, sort of in the main area of uh, centre of Glasgow. Um, the uh, Eurocopter EC135 did actually uh, was actually flying from its base uh, just a few miles away from uh, where the incident happened so um yes it is uh, quite sad and um obviously uh, our condolences go out to all the uh, families who've uh, lost uh, loved ones in this uh, tr- uh, dreadful accident um, and it's been such a slow process because um a helicopter has actually crashed through the roof of the uh, building and um it's so such a delicate operation because the state of the building's in after that all that weight going on top of the roof of the uh, building. So to get all the um, people out um, safely, and obviously for all the fire crews and rescue people, it is quite a, a major task. Um, they've got a crane there which has actually extruded the um, uh, helicopter out, and that will be taken to I believe is it Farnborough uh, where the air crash investigation. Um, things uh, go. Yeah, yeah, I think it is uh, taken to, yeah, that is the AAIB, the Air Crash um, Investigation Bureau, the yes. UK the UK version of the NTSB. Yes. Um, um, but this, the, the helicopter, the Eurocopter EC-135T2, first entered service in 1996 and there's over a thousand in operation. Yes, um, that is uh, quite a concern. And they did have a fault with one of the rotor blades a little while back where they found a crack in uh, one of the blades. So let's hope there's nothing uh, to do with that because um, there are, as you said, there's a lot in service and uh, the East Anglian Air Ambulance, which is close to our hearts and in this area. um, They use uh, use the T2 as well. They they? uh, use this as well. And um, obviously... The, this uh, Eurocopter is EC135 is quite popular, so it is used by the air ambulance all over the country and the uh, police forces around the UK as well. So it is a major concern, and I would imagine there's no grounding of the uh, helicopter as of yet. Is no, there? no, no, nothing at all yet. So um, it's ooh. looking at the uh, feed from Sky News. Um, they've said today that there was no mayday call at all from no. the pilot before the crash. Yeah, um, which kind of suggests it may have been something um, a gearbox failure, something, something ca- sudden, some, yes. something catastrophic and sudden. Yes. That there wasn't a chance yes. to 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 get any sort of. Uh, uh, Mayday out, and also the unfortunate thing as well. Unlike um, passenger aircraft, commercial aircraft in in the air, um, helicopters, um, most or nearly all helicopters don't have a black box on board. Yes, yeah, so, I did uh, read that the other day. No, I can't understand that. That's quite strange, isn't it? I, what, do you know why this is? Because um, I would have thought, with as with all aircraft, um, uh, to have a black box will give some sort of feedback and information of uh, what could have uh, drastically gone wrong. Well, the helicopter itself um, does have various computers on board which control various aspects of the flying of the helicopter. Um, and they are uh, they're, they're hopeful that, that some kind of information can be recovered yes. from from these these particular computers on board the helicopter, yes. but not quite like a black box. Yes, right. Um, uh, one, uh, I suppose, one area, as always, with any uh, aircraft or helicopter accident, 
They will definitely look into the service of the aircraft. They said it had been uh, recently uh, checked, which is obviously a daily uh, or weekly thing they do with these uh, helicopters. Um, but any sort of fatigue in any part of the uh, rotor blades, whether it's a tail rotor fan or the main rotor, is a concern. Because if you remember rightly a little while back, uh, one of the helicopters that went over to the North Sea platforms that had a fracture in its um, main rotor and uh, that actually sheared off on a flight to the oil rigs which killed the whole uh, crew on board so that is one area which they do look into quite uh, intensely so mm. uh, because there's just there's something uh, that's just happened and it's such a uh, catastrophe of what's happened so well eyewitnesses at the um, that uh, witness obviously the the accident and before just before the accident have said that that the uh, according to them that the helicopter's rotors were intact at the moment of impact really um, which which sort of suggests it was i mean it could have been the it could have been a gearbox failure we we won't know until the obviously the the crash investigation guys do their um do their thing and, and release a report yeah it's going to be quite a it will be a long um a long thing to do uh, to take that um, helicopter completely apart, strip down every part and then rebuild it and check every service manual uh, regarding that aircraft as, as they always do with any um, aircraft accident. But the, my main concern is um, that the Pilots Association were concerned about the safety in general of helicopters because if that one of those rotors do pack up or the gearbox failure, you've got uh, near enough zero chance of survival. Mm. Unlike a, a fixed-wing aircraft where you can... Yeah, sort of and they've down. normally got two or three engines, so an mm. aircraft can fly on um, obviously just one engine or, or depending on the size of it or a couple of engines if it's got four. So so yeah. the uh, the pub that the helicopter crashed uh, onto um, had uh, more than 100 people inside at the time um, who were listening to, to some live music. Um, so um, I mean, there's there's nine people confirmed dead now. Yes, yeah. It, it could have been a lot, lot worse. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, but obviously, like we said, um, you know, our, our thoughts go out to the families and people affected by the crash, and hopefully there'll be um, some uh, some news to come from the investigation as to tell us what exactly happened. Yes, um, yes. So. We'll keep our eyes on the news for that one. Yes, and if and we get any uh, updates uh, on this, which I'm sure we will, uh, we will uh, sort of uh, update you as um, in our future podcasts. Yes. Okay, so moving on to some more quite serious news as well. Uh, this has been something that's come up on um, some other podcasts um, that I listen to, and it's something that's uh, not only happening in the States, but also is happening here in the UK, and that's uh, lasers being shone in the uh, faces of pilots landing at airports. Yes. Um, it's, a, it's very, uh, it, it, looking at this, this is um, an ongoing thing, and it's been uh, such a serious problem. And I don't think um, the people who do this uh, realise the seriousness of it um, because lasers are so bright, and I do think there needs to be some sort of um, law Put on these. Yeah, the, the penalty should be a lot. But the penalty should be a lot uh, bigger, I think. Yes, for, and for I think there should be um, something in place very soon before something uh, uh, dangerous happens. So, um, so this is happening. Uh, this is from the uh, the Scotsman um, 
newspaper. This is uh, um, lasers being shone at pilots landing at Glasgow Airport. And uh, it's uh, about a report that happened um, last week uh, with an aircraft landing at uh, Glasgow Airport and the lasers being shone into to the faces of uh, the pilots. So obviously not um, a, a good thing to do at all. No. Um, and like we said, the I think there are uh, procedures in place, things going in place now to increase the fines. And also, I think in the US, that it is um, uh, an imp- you know you, you will go to to prison for a yes. length of time. Yes, if you're and I caught. totally agree with that because yeah. um, all those um, passengers and uh, crew on board um, carrying um, people, it's just such such a, a dangerous thing to do. Um, if those pilots are blinded and they can't see to land that aircraft, then you're in big, big, big trouble. But these lasers, I don't know what the range of them is because um, I don't know much about them, but they are a thing that needs to be um, made illegal unless you've got a license for them. That's the only way, uh, which I think... The trouble is as well, the, the lasers are so easy to get hold of. Yes, now. You can yes. You can go on uh, most... Uh, online websites and and purchase these lasers for for as little as sort of three or four pounds. Yes, um, yes. And and as Simon said, they are very powerful. They they are very you know very powerful um, devices and can easily you know reach aircraft flying um, overhead. Yes. So uh, they must have a long uh, quite a long range to to be able to do that. I don't know what the range of the lasers from uh, person to object uh, is, but um, it must be quite um, quite a long uh, range. The trouble is as well catching the people doing it. That's the yes, hard thing. Yes, yes. You can't, um, most places can't afford to have people patrol in an area. And even so, if you did patrol an area, um, you're not necessarily going to find out whereabouts uh, they are or no. whereabouts they're hiding. So the only way they have at the moment of um, reporting incidents like this is down to the pilots reporting to, you know, as to where they've, seen or, or yes seen the laser yes. emitting from yes. on the ground yes. which is obviously not um always easy yes especially yeah. not if the laser's being shone in the pilot's yeah, face yeah as they're the appro- as they're approaching uh, the sort of uh airport or uh, taking off it's very difficult because they've got their minds uh for the control of the uh, aircraft so yeah so we'll keep our eyes on that one and uh, hopefully things or people start to um to behave, yes, in in the US and the UK, yes, or all, all over the world, wherever this this is happening. So, so some some slightly more um, happier news, anyway. Uh, British Airways are to test onboard <coughs> Wi-Fi. Uh, British Airways has confirmed it's to run a connectivity trial on one of its Boeing seven four seven four hundred aircraft over the course of two thousand and fourteen. The aircraft are going to be fitted with uh, the Panasonic Global Communication Suite to provide a range of entertainment to customers um, to, using their personal electronic devices uh, under the name High Life Connect. So the 747-400 is going to operate on a range of different routes to test how the system performs and identify how how used or how many people used uh, or you will use the um, particular option um on its range of destinations so what about what about that then simon um, Wi-Fi, oh, yeah. Wi-Fi on board <laughs> yes uh yeah we were talking about this in one of our previous podcasts i think didn't we uh yeah we we, we, t- we touched sort of, on this subject yes yeah. um yeah i think it's a good idea i'm still um there's a bit of a gray area on this um 
takeoff and landing, which I understand um, the pilots need time and all electronic devices are turned off. Um, so I, I think it's a good idea, um, but I just hope that the Wi-Fi works. If they have a Wi-Fi system built into the aircraft, that should not lose any power. What do you think? My, my, my view personally, I mean, I've, I've, you know, when you when you get on board an aircraft and you sit down, you fasten your seatbelt, you get ready for the taxi and takeoff part of the flight. Um, I think everything should be turned off. Yes, your yeah. your focus, regardless of how many times you've flown on an aircraft. I mean, Simon's uh, the same as me. We've, we've both flown quite regularly. You know, we we normally fly sort of two or three times a year, and. And for me, I always tend to fly on the same type of aircraft. Yes. Um, the the seven three seven eight hundred, and and yes, I do. You know, being an aviation um, geek, I I do know wh- where the exits are and, and yes. bits and pieces. But when you're on an aircraft, regardless of of how many times you've flown on one, it, you need to listen. Always listen to that uh, yeah. safety briefing. So you've start. got. They've got that small window on taxi or on leaving the uh, terminal um, gate um, to the takeoff, which is a very important time, as you uh, said, Carlos, and I totally agree with that because everybody, the pilots are focused and the crew are focused on preparing the aircraft to uh, take off again in the sky, and that is one of the most sort of um, important times of any uh, flight. Because the, ta- the big debate is, as well, online is... is- uh, whether these particular devices interfere with aircraft systems, yes. and there's quite a huge um, online sort of debate as to uh, do they interfere, do they um, affect the aircraft systems? And there are a few airlines in the states who are now applying for um, a uh, special uh, ruling that that will allow passengers to use their mobile phones and and, and devices yes. on board aircraft yes. during during flight. I mean, I've to be honest. I I, I think uh, once once you're airborne, yes, uh, and the cruise and the aircraft is is, is in a stable position. in a stable yeah. They, you know, I can't see uh, see anything interfering with their aircraft systems. But I will say that when I've been flying um, a, the Cessna one seven two and the Cessna one fifty that I've learned to fly in um, over the the, the few, last few years. Um, when someone's had a mobile phone in their pocket or in in the coat pocket of the aircraft, although it is a small light aircraft, and someone has texted or received a text, you do get that distraction over the radio, or you can hear it over your headphones. It that it does interfere like that, but I think with a a large commercial passenger jet, you know, I think you've got. I think there's there's more of a level of sort of shielding and stuff that, that yes. protects yes. the systems yes. on board from yes. that. Yeah, but like we were saying, I, that window on takeoff and uh, landing, which is the most important time uh, on the aircraft uh, for all involved in the flight and uh, all the passengers, that that needs to be turned off and everything and to be kept with. So, but yeah, but uh, these trials of Wi-Fi look as though they're going global. So I would imagine uh, we're going to see a um, read a lot more about this. Yeah, BA have um, they've not given any information about how much they're going to charge passengers for to use the Wi-Fi, um, but there is talk that there'll be an option of paying for an hourly rate uh, to use the Wi-Fi, or you can buy 
Uh, or you'll be able to buy a flight pass that'll be valid for 24 hours. Yes. Um, a flight, hopefully no one's going to fly for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> a 12-hour flight is long enough, I think. But, uh, I wonder um, if that's transferable if you're on a couple of connecting flights um, on the sort of same airline. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see how they uh, see how they do that. Yes. Now, I've um, flown United quite a few times, and they have a Verizon um, phone, which you can actually use with your credit card. Have you ever seen those? Yeah, uh, when we flew with Emirates um, a few years ago on the 777, Emirates uh, had a similar system on their aircraft where you can swipe your debit credit card yes, and yeah. uh, you can make and receive or, or make calls to, yes. uh, to landline. It's uh, quite an expensive uh, tariff. Yeah, it's not cheap, uh, no. I've never used it. But no, I've seen no, it there no. and I don't think I'll... <laughs> I would. Uh, I think I'd wait until I get to the other end. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always, it, 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 the, the, the whole talk about using phones and stuff on board aircraft. I just think that you know, when you when you go on holiday, you go on holiday to get away from not so much family, but you you, you get away from from the UK. I'd like to say, but do you need to be constantly texting and phoning yeah. someone even when you're flying? You yeah. know. Just to sort of plus, I think one of the other discussions that I've overheard um, on the other podcasts that I listen to as well, which is a quite valid point, is if you're sitting on an aircraft, do you really want to hear someone um, talking on their mobile phone behind you? Um, you know, oh hello, mum. Yeah, I'm on a plane. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, when you go away on holiday, this is the thing. <laughs> ha- everybody does it. What's the weather like back home? Now, you've, you're going on holiday. <laughs> you're going on holiday. Why have you fo- just phoned to say, what's the weather like back home? You've gone away from all that. <laughs> plus, plus with, with most smartphones, you can, uh, you know, you can, you can go on a weather app and, and see what the weather's like yes. at home. You don't, you don't need to call someone. And uh, yeah. what's, the, what's the weather like in my back garden, but by the way? Do you find this? It's the first question you always ask if you get in contact <laughs> yeah. with home. What's the weather doing back home? What's the weather doing back home? Yeah, uh, is it raining? Uh, it's not where I am. It's, it's sunny here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So that, we'll keep our uh, keep our eyes on that one. Then some Wi-Fi um, with British Airways. So next piece of news then um, is uh, some as always Ryanair news, and uh, this is some news regarding uh, Ryanair opening a hub at uh, Rome's uh, major international airport. And Ryanair is going to be launching a new hub at uh, the Fiumicino Airport. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, to offer three new connections to southern <coughs> Italy, and uh, they're hoping that uh, cash-strapped Italian carrier Alitalia, Alitalia yeah, uh, will uh, will do a, a sort of a flight sharing partnership. Um, so they've jumped on the bandwagon here. Look at reading this. Um, I think, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I mean, hats off. I mean, Ryanair do offer quite a, a huge sort of a span of different airports and yes, stuff they fly yeah. to. Um, so having a hub there, I think, in that particular area of Europe, it w- I think will make them quite a bit of money, actually. Yes. It's a good idea. Yes. Um, so that's... That. They're on a... Fr- um, I'm just looking at this here. They're on a flight-sharing partnership with Alitalia. So hopefully uh, that will boost their uh, revenue back up again. So... Yes. Well, that must be a good thing, I would would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually going talking about Alitalia. I've uh, I've been at an airport like Gatwick and, and Heathrow, and, and I've seen some of the Alitalia <laughs> aircraft, and um, some of them are quite uh, old. Uh, yeah, 
could, could do with a is plane that, could do with a plane wash. Yes, um, uh, some uh, of them. Uh, that's the statement. Um, what that aircraft they use? I no, I've never flown with that airline. Have you? No, I've never flown with Alitalia. No, no, no. no. Some of the aircraft they have, I don't know. Um, we'll have to look into this a bit more, perhaps um, in a future podcast. Yeah. So. so next piece of news then is about Gatwick Airport, and uh, this uh, has been out this week as well that. Uh, Passengers at Gatwick Airport are up 4.4% to 20.8 million um, over the first half of 2013 and 2014 financial year. Um, uh, A total of 20.8 million passengers used the site between April and September 2013, and turnover at Gatwick uh, was up 10.7% to 360.6 million, while the pre-tax profit was up 18.75% 18.75% to 127.3 million. So doing well then, Gatwick, aren't they? Yes, yes. Um, although uh, I suppose, I don't know how you are, um, I'm uh, more of a sort of Heathrow uh, user than Gatwick. Which I've, is, I've flown from Gatwick more times than, than Heathrow. It depends on, I think yeah. it depends on where you're uh, actually flying to. So uh, yeah, but it's always uh, good to have a couple of uh, main airports Doing well, yeah. yeah. Close by. So another bit of news, and this is um, some news uh, for, about our friends across the pond there in America, and it's about the American Airlines and U.S. Airways merger, um, which has been cleared by uh, the judge. A U.S. federal bankruptcy judge has ruled in favour of a proposed merger between U.S. Airways and American Airlines, which would form the world's biggest airline. Yes. How's that, Simon? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Um, now, a lot of the uh, airline, big airlines in uh, the US, they actually do um, to save because a lot of these are on the well on the point of bankruptcy. So I know United recently has joined up with um, uh, Continental, so they're now on a co-chair and uh, shared partnership. And American Airlines and US Airways are as well. But I think American Airlines was linked in with British Airways um, until recently. Co-chairing, yeah. I think they do a co-chairing yeah, agreement. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, a lot of these uh, airlines, the only way to really survive now is, uh, I suppose, code-share. And um, obviously, you've got the Star Alliance, which links up That's a it. lot of um, other aircraft uh, airlines. So you get a lot of code shares there, and that is the way to go if you want to survive. Um, survive the yeah, that is the, which is a, a harsh environment out there. Yes. There, are, there is a lot of competition. Yes. So American Airlines have uh, said that it expects the deal to be completed by the 9th of December, and uh, the Justice Department um, sued to stop the merger in August, saying it would reduce competition as um, and as a result of higher prices for consumers. But as part of the settlement, which is going to go through, uh, American Airlines and U.S. Airways have agreed to give up slots at several U.S. airports, including Reagan National Airport in Washington, D.C. and LaGuardia Airport in New York City. And these slots are going to be given to the uh, low-cost airline carriers like JetBlue and Southwest. Yes. Southwest, another... um, very uh, popular low cost carrier. Yes, yes. In, uh, uh, I haven't actually flown on them, but I've uh, seen a lot of their aircraft. Um, you've got, uh, look, in this country, you've got uh, Flybe, you've got Ryanair, um, you've got EasyJet. They're the yeah. three main uh, ones. And in, obviously, in the US, you've got um, Southwest, um, 
you've got United, which has uh, got a, a lot of little aircraft, um, which they use a little prop aircraft and uh, regional jets, CRJ 700s, and one or two others. And there's a lot of uh, low-cost um, airlines that do all the sort of small, quick uh, bounce over to, uh, say, like from San Francisco to LAX or just as as an example. So, yeah, I um, use them quite a lot, um, these uh, small sort of uh, low-cost uh, carriers, cause just to get from one end to the other. They just use them as, treat them like cars, I think, out there, just to get from one area to another. Like, going from, say, like uh, San Francisco uh to lax it's not very far really you could drive that if you wanted to but they just it's more fun to fly it is <laughs> it is i totally fine. agree i totally agree <laughs> but they just uh hop on it it's like it's like a, a bus or a car you know well, i mean where i work in relation to where i live is literally one mile but uh, given the choice i'd rather fly <laughs> than cycle to <laughs> work every time. day yeah it might uh might be a bit not very cost effective but um, yes yeah. So some more Ryanair news then. And, um, this is good news, actually, for customers of Ryanair. Uh, Ryanair are cutting uh, the uh, boarding card fee and they're allowing extra carry-on bags. This one, uh, this, this news was on the 28th of November. And it says that Ryanair is going to allow passengers to take a second small carry-on bag on its flights. The budget carrier has also cut its boarding card reissue fee, which was £70, which is quite expensive that for, two is, bits of, for a couple of bits of A4 paper and some yes, ink. Yes, um, that is. They're cutting that from £70 to £15 for passengers is, who have already checked in online. That is um, that is good, very good news. But um, I think a lot of this is uh, due to um, public pressure and um, sort of campaigning from uh, Watchdog, because I have seen it on, Watch, uh, Watch, on Watchdog uh, BBC TV and... Obviously, in the Witch magazine, uh, which I get, there has been some reports in there about all the, as we've said before, there's so, so many charges in here. You've got credit card fees, you've got check-in fees, you've got luggage fees, you've got yeah, bag fees. You know, where does it end? And by the time, you've got a cheap flight, but by the time you've added everything, ever, Everything's added important. every extra onto it, it soon pushes the old, uh, bumps the old price up uh, consider- considerably. So the customer service initiatives follow the launch of uh, a new Ryanair.com homepage, uh, which also now has a 24-hour grace period um, in case you make a minor booking error uh, when you book your flights online. And uh, the standard airport baggage fees as well are going to be cut from £60 on January the 3rd. And also fully allocated seating will start from February the 1st. And that's something I've talked about before on previous podcasts, yes. the, um, where you can pay the extra um, fee when you book a seat to yeah. to, to reserve a seat. Yes. And I, I do I do think that's worth yes. every penny. Yes, and a lot of the big airlines, and if you've gone on a long-haul flight, you have a, an allocated seat, and I think it should be right across the board, really, do you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I used to, I mean, going back to the years of traveling, flying as a child, you know, whenever you flew on an, on an airline, whether it be Britannia or Caledonian, yes. you'd be issued with a, a, a boarding pass with a seat number. Yeah. And you would sit in that seat. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. Whereas obviously now with, you know, with Ryanair and EasyJet, if you haven't booked the allocator or if you haven't reserved a seat, um, it is a free for all. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that's right because it can. Uh... Can create an awkward environment oh, yes, uh, regarding definitely. people yeah. arguing over who's yeah. sitting in whose seat. But if every person on that flight has got an allocated seat, 
I think that is the best way to go. Everybody knows where they're sitting, where they are, window, aisle, uh, obviously center of the aircraft, um, bulkhead, uh, emergency exit. So I think it's the way to go. You've got to you've got to have that allocation for seats. So. Oh, I've been on uh, many Ryanair flights and and seen people not so much arguing, but you can see there's hums and and tuts yes. and, and stuff when you and then you get you know the, the family that comes in with sort of five or six um, children and they, they all want to yeah. sit together yeah. and and it just it not only is it sort of um, annoying for some other passengers it also can be it can be it can be a delay uh, you know a departure delay yes I mean, it can, I've, yeah I've been on I've been on quite a few <laughs> flights with Ryanair where there has been a delay because it takes so long for passengers to find a seat to put their bag in the overhead storage yeah. bins and sit down. And then, you know, it, it, it does, it takes a Yes. Forever. And then if they see an empty seat, they'll think, Oh, well, I don't like that one. I'm going to see if I can find another seat somewhere yeah. else on the aircraft. So they're like you say, you know, they're moving around and then by this time you're wasting time. Cause if, if, I mean, if they went back to the old days and did allocated seating to each passenger, it would, it would just knock that completely yeah. off. It would be a case of you, you you sit sit where your ticket tells you to sit. Yes, or uh, where you've uh, requested a, a seat, which is a nice thing you can do if you want. Um, if you like flying, you sometimes. Uh, oh, I love flying like you, uh, Carlos. But yeah. I always um, try and request a window or a bulkhead. That's it. Yeah, area yeah. if there's no windows available, just for that extra bit of uh, leg room or an emergency exit. So. The overwing exit seats. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So next piece of news then is uh, British Airways news and British Airways are replacing um, their Boeing 737-400s with leased A320s. Um, This is at London Heathrow and they're set to uh, base 10 leased A320-200s out of London Gatwick uh, where they'll be uh, replacing the airline's fleet of 16 Boeing Boeing 737-400s um, though their exact origin and serial numbers have yet to be revealed, um, their British registries will run sequentially from Golf Lima Delta November Alpha to Golf Lima Delta November Juliet, and their exact exact date of entry um, has not been has not been put or, or released yet. But the seven three seven four hundred, quite an old, um, <coughs> yes, yes, aircraft that yes. that first flew nineteen eighty four. Wow, um, with US Air. Yes, um, yeah. but there has been uh, one thousand nine hundred and eighty-eight of the the uh, uh, series produced. Which yes, um, yeah. But I've personally, I don't think I've, I think I've flown on the seven three seven four hundred once or twice, but that was quite quite a few years ago. But uh, it can carry up to one hundred and sixty-eight passengers. Um, and it also included a tail bumper to prevent tail scrapes during takeoff, um, an early issue which they had with the 757 as well. Um, so there, a lot of the actual 737-400s as well have been converted into freighters. So, yes, I mean, that right. could possibly be some something that uh, might happen to those um, those 737-400s at BA. Yes. Yeah, are they uh, new A320s or are they um, uh, used ones? Leased, I would imagine they would be probably leased. They'll be set, you know, used, yeah. used A320s. They must have a sort of, um, I know we've got the Mojave Desert where they store aircraft um, or airlines store them uh, because it's dry, uh, dryness out there and uh, protection for the aircraft. 
um, so that there is most probably an area where they have uh, loads of aircraft stored closer to home. But the uh, the deserts are getting quite full of aircraft now. Yes, yeah. yes. That uh, of uh, I drive when I uh, go skiing in uh, Mammoth Lakes, California. Uh, Flying to LAX and drive or stop at McDonald's on the way and uh, just on uh, Mojave uh, Junction there, and you can see the aircraft and they do just, um, tours around there. Um, if if you want to Google it, it's well worth a look if you want to see the uh, aircraft. But a lot of the aircraft are actually their um, livery and airline is covered up. But some are visible and still you can see which aircraft. Um, or airline it is, but just by looking at the uh, tail and delivery, even though it's uh, some of it's covered up, so it is um, an interesting place because of how dry it is and everything. So uh, perhaps talk about that in a future podcast. Yeah, uh, some more Ryanair news, <coughs> and this is about Ryanair and uh, JetBlue uh, Airways. Um, there's been some talk uh, in the past um, and recently as well uh, about Ryanair. Um, and JetBlue starting transatlantic flights. Um, but there has been some talk and some uh, talk from inside Ryanair to say that it's very unlikely that uh, Ryanair or JetBlue will start transatlantic flights. Um, Ryanair sees the market being too small compared to the opportunities that lie within, the, within Europe, and JetBlue does not think fares are high enough to uh, stimulate actually having a transatlantic uh, yes. routing. But is that something you could sort of see in the in the future? Do you think with Ryanair moving on to um, transatlantic sort of flights? Um, I don't know because all the major airlines um, obviously do the uh, flights to the US, and uh, I would imagine they'll just try and keep that. There's not, I think the uh, low cost budget carriers do actually like to stay in their own sort of area. Um, if you can call it area for Europe and stuff, and mm. not the main routes, because you need obviously you're going to need a bigger aircraft, and it is quite hard, I would imagine, to get sort of flight slots. So going back to 1977, um, Simon, cast your mind back. That's actually one year after I was born, but uh, I, I but I can with my um, aviation knowledge um, remember Laker Airways. Yes, yes, uh, Freddie Laker. Yes, uh, he started um, Laker Airways in uh, the low cost airline in 1977, yes. operating low cost fares between London Gatwick Airport yes. and New York's John F. Kennedy. Yes, um, but unfortunately. Um, the company didn't survive due to recession, the recession of the early 1980s and actually operated its last flight on February the 5th, 1982, which is the day that uh, they went bankrupt. Yes. But it's been tried. Yes. Um, I mean, I think he, I mean, uh, Freddie Laker done done very well at, yes, at the uh, time. Yes, and they, um, I do remember the aircraft quite well. He was using uh, DC-10s. Um, That's it, yeah. And I didn't... That's one of the aircraft I remember. And he did actually, before he passed away, he did actually meet up with uh, Richard Branson a few times. And Richard Branson started off uh, with, if you, I don't know if you can cast your mind back to when he started. I think it was about 1984 or maybe a little bit later. But around that time, he started off with um, just one route. And that was uh, to uh, JFK um, in uh, New York. Uh, so... And then yeah. he he had one uh, route, and then he made. Then he started another, and they said he would n- never survive. Now look at uh, Virgin uh, Atlantic. Now it's uh, quite. It's up there. 
he is one of the big airlines of the world. So, um, yeah, he used uh, Laker used the DC ten series um, series ten um, aircraft, um, and just looking at on on here about it and stuff, um, they did um, at one point. Uh, use a, a L ten eleven TriStar, which they borrowed yes. off um, Al Nippon Airways at one point, but it was the the, the it was the DC ten, which was the um, the aircraft that, that Freddie Laker used with yes. the um, Skytrain yes. logo yes. Uh, across. <laughs> and he also just looking as well, um, he actually used the Airbus A three hundred as well in nineteen eighty two for Skytrain, but. Uh, the actual marketing that that he used to provide this the low cost um, uh, trip to from from the UK to America was offering at the time, uh, bearing in mind this was in the eighties, um, a one way ticket to New York for thirty two pounds fifty. Now that's a good deal, <laughs> but you can see why um, why it failed because um, <clears throat> the cost of fuel, fuel and, and landing um, fees, fees uh, everything so. It's a shame that uh, that had to to finish really the way it did, yes. um, um, you know, with, with Freddie Lake. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, but it I think uh, Richard Branson took some uh, some of uh, the things out of that. So, and uh, that's he's got a big airline today, which is uh, good. So, some news then on the seven eight seven Dreamliner. Um, this one is uh, it's just over a week old now, actually, but it's, it's fairly recent. This one is regarding uh, Japan Airlines Boeing 787-800 series. Operating a flight from Helsinki on the 8th of November received an indication of a problem with the aircraft's auxiliary power unit battery. Um, a spokesman for the airline confirmed that the aircraft registration um, JA830J was operating a flight 414 bound for Tokyo, Narita, when the cockpit warning was activated. However, as the voltage and current readings were in acceptable ranges, the flight continued um, on to its destination. Once the aircraft had landed, the batteries were removed, inspected, and no faults could be found at all. And also inspections were made on the battery charger, which was subsequently replaced and sent to the manufacturer for further analysis. He emphasised that the incident was not a battery problem and therefore unlikely to be linked to the battery problems that plagued the 787 earlier this year. Japan Airlines says it's informed Boeing of the incident and the two companies are joining together to undertake further investigations. So if you remember earlier, I mean, the, the 787 has been plagued with, with battery issues and stuff um, since it came into service. Um, some of the 787 operators, including Qatar and Air India, have encountered uh, other service reliability issue, uh, issues with the type as well. Uh, although there have been no suggestions of systematic problems with other aircraft we we said this before, didn't we, in a uh, previous podcast that I think we'll be talking about this some more. And uh, sure enough, here we are. Um, <clears throat> this problems uh, with this aircraft. Uh, I don't know what to make of it anymore. It's just just something that I don't think I've heard with any other aircraft. It's been, I think, the, the thing as well that the the seven eight seven is such a. Uh, uh, um, a new everything is new yes the, you know the, the design and yeah. how it's been built and stuff and, and it uses all new bits and pieces components and stuff in it i think it's it's just been unlucky i think it's been very very unlucky yes, yeah um 
And I think also that Airbus, um, they've now brought out the A3, or they're test, testing the A350XWB. Yes. I think Airbus have learned a lot of, um, you know, lessons from what has happened to Boeing whilst they've been yeah. producing the A350. And I think the the A350 is probably going to end up being more of a, a reliable aircraft um, to, to start off with. Although there are, you know, there are a lot of reports from from the airlines that are using the seven eight seven to say that the aircraft is fantastic and they are, yes. you know, they, they enjoy using the aircraft. Yeah. And the best thing the aircraft, the airlines have said as well is that the the seven eight seven is saving them fuel. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to go on to some uh, some news on the A three fifty then. So um, the A three fifty XWB. Has flown over Broughton, the Broughton factory in the UK for the first time. Um, workers at the factory uh, watched the plane fly over as part of routine testing, which took part um, over the factory, um, which was nice for those people there at the factory. Yeah, that's who could, a, uh, actually see the fruits of their labour. Yeah, that's uh, quite a nice thing to do, isn't it? Um, have the aircraft um, that you're that you're actually making uh, fly over. Um, your actual factory, so uh, that's uh, quite a nice thought, and uh, must uh, make them quite proud. Uh, they're uh, part of the uh, construction of that aircraft. Yeah, it was uh, it was all part of the first European flyby at Airbus sites in the UK um, and France and Germany as well as part of routine flight testing. And the demonstrations took part or took place, I should say, at eleven forty in the morning. Um, with the excitement lasting just seconds as the aircraft disappeared from view into thick low cloud. Oh, <laughs> we, we're definitely used to that here, aren't yes, we? Yes, we are, yeah. At the controls were French pilot Thierry Bouge and his co-pilot Jean-Christophe Lear. Um, and uh, the X or the A350XWB program has been uh, a truly great success this year. So we'll keep our eyes open for that one. And... Uh, the news uh, from Airbus is that uh, at the end of um, November they had uh, 800 firm orders um, for that aircraft. That's quite, yeah, that's, quite, that's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. So we're going to have to look out and see which uh, which airlines snap up the uh, the 350 and see uh, see who who's the, who's the first person to fly one. I wonder. Mm. I, I, my my guess is it'll be a US airline that flies a three fifty first. But yes, it could be a UK. That airline. is um, that aircraft. I would imagine is quite um, a medium to long haul aircraft, isn't it? Yeah, um, something like uh, I'd say New York to London Heathrow or Amsterdam, something like that. Yeah, we'll have to look up some figures on that and see yeah. what the A. Yeah. So some more good news for Airbus. Then is uh, obviously the Dubai Air Show has been um, been very big, huge this year. It's um, been said that uh, it's it's the biggest it's ever been yes. um, with aircraft and stuff on, yes. on show. Yeah, and Airbus Airbus has won um, a record number of orders at the Dubai Air Show, with deals worth uh, in excess of twenty seven point two billion. Wow, signed. There is. Uh, I know they've got a lot of money out there because that's where all the oil is, and um, so I, that is understandable. Uh, but it is uh, good uh, to show off uh, your aircraft. Uh, 
any uh, big air show um, where you can get firm orders, uh, similar to sort of uh, Farnborough, but obviously that one must be on a bigger scale. But you can go there to sort of purchase aircraft and enjoy uh, all the uh, other aircraft that are displaying as well. Yeah, they had uh, orders uh, included, but 142 firm orders worth £25 billion. An 18 memorandum of understanding worth a further 2.2 billion. So the orders uh, were made up of 40 for the A350, which we were just talking about, the XWB, yeah. uh, the 900 and the 1000 series of those, uh, 26 A321 Neos, that's the uh, new engine option, A321s. Uh, one A330 200F, which is the freighter version of the um, passenger A330, um, worth well, the A330 200F is actually worth 11.7 billion uh, list price. So not yep. not a cheap aircraft to um, to uh, to buy. In addition, Airbus officials booked orders for five A330 200. Um, F's for Qatar Airways cargo, so another a sort of a, yeah. a Middle East um, airline using yeah. using that as well. Um, and also, startup Libyan Wings chose the show to reveal its plans to order three A three fifty nine hundreds and four A three twenty Neos. So good news for Airbus then. Yes, They're yes, yeah, um, they are. I think uh, they're um, possibly uh, jumping a little bit ahead of uh, Boeing, uh, possibly with all these uh, new orders and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I follow the order lists in the um, in the regular um, magazine that I get each month, the Airbus and the Boeing orders. And the Airbus always just seems to be that little bit ahead. Yes, of, um, of obviously orders. with the Dreamliner and the problems uh, which has incurred that. I think a lot of the airlines are. Sort of a little bit dubious um, of this uh, Dreamliner, so uh, they're heading uh, more towards Airbus. That's it, yeah. So I think that's about all the um, news we've got for sort of um, commercial passenger stuff for this week, isn't it, Simon? Yes. We've, yep. got, we've got a little uh, smidgen of uh, military news coming up, and uh, we're going to talk about that after this. Okay, so uh, we're going to move on then on the show with, as always, some military news. So if you're ready, Simon. Yes. Great, let's go with the military news. So with the military news then, hand you over to Simon. Thanks, Carlos. Um, first bit of news um, about uh, Airbus A400M uh, being retired. Uh, this uh, being retired? Uh, well, well, not the whole, uh, not the whole fleet. No, um, the first uh, aircraft, which is uh, a shame. Um, I think they've cut the orders uh, down quite considerably. This aircraft flew uh, not too too long ago. It uh, first flew on the eleventh of December. Um, which is near enough, uh, f- what were we talking about, three or four years ago? 2009, yeah. yeah. not that many years ago. Uh, first flew on the 11th of December 2009, MSN-1, or Grizzly-1, the first test aircraft to be flown in support Eight Nation A400M programme, registers as Foxtrot 
uh, WWMT. The aircraft performed its final flight from Toulouse, France, on the 4th of November, with the company saying the one hour sortie was intended to validate procedures for landing. The ramp door failed to open in its position. Now, this uh, aircraft is uh, one of the ones that flew at uh, Riyadh uh, with the Red Arrows in formation. Uh, to mark this event and uh, milestone, the crew uh, on this done a debut flight from Seville, Spain, where it's brought together. It's comprised of test pilots. Um, I wouldn't uh, pronounce the names because uh, they are quite difficult to... Uh... Test pilots Nacho Lat Lombo and yes. Ed Strongman. Uh, head of the uh, A400 test flight um, uh, program. So, yeah, so that aircraft is going possibly into a museum, but it will actually fly, it may fly again. It isn't going to be um, completely uh, decommissioned. It, it's the possibility of it uh, flying again. So, um, this uh, lead aircraft's total usage to 475 flights and almost 1,450 hours, Airbus military says. So it's a low mileage one, then. It is, yeah, yeah. it is. Um, so it could end up in a museum. It's just been put in a storage at the moment, um, but they've uh, cut uh, down um, quite considerably on this. So. It's amazing. I, it was literally last year I saw my first one of those at Farnborough. Yes, yeah. yeah. Is, um, I do lo- love this aircraft. Um, uh, not just because it's a military aircraft, but um, obviously the uh, props on this, uh, they are so, so nice to look at uh, on any picture. Um, what do you think on that? Those, uh, they've got sort of like a flowery effect, haven't they? Uh, yeah, like the flowers. fan blades are slightly um, curved, uh, curved, yeah, um, to make more aerodynamic. But um, not there's not many uh, sort of airlines or aircraft that I've seen such a, a nice um, pattern of uh, prop on. It's kind of when you look at the four hundred M, Simon. Do you, do you think? I mean, to me, it it looks kind of like the uh, the Hercules. Yes, in, yes, in a way, the Lockheed, it does, but with slightly shorter wings and a, and yes. a bigger tail. Yes, yes, yeah. um, and obviously it's got the big fin on the uh, rear of the tail, whereas the uh, Hercules um, don't have mm. that. It, it uh, I would imagine it is a sort of more up to date version of that. Yeah, would you think? I would imagine. Well, I'd say that the at the four hundred M's probably got a, a totally glass cockpit. I'd imagine, whereas the um, Hercules, the sort of the earlier ones, are yes, a sort uh, of steam gauge. Yeah, all the all the old um, sort of manual, all the old uh, dials. Whereas, like you said, the uh, this aircraft has got the uh, big um, computerized uh, cockpit. So yeah. Ah. We'll have to um, we'll have to find out what happens to that aircraft, whether they are going to museum it or whether it um, will be sort of based somewhere as a as a um, you know or still used as some sort of flying test bed. Whether they yes. are going to whether they're going to retire it completely or or you know you know it's all yes. there. yeah. Um, now on to the next thing. The uh, I said about the U twos in the last podcast being new well, over the, the uh, spy plane being over in the UK. I did uh, find a bit more information about that. Um, Air Force One was over in uh, Europe, so that may have something else to do with that. Um, those aircraft uh, patrolling the skies around uh, Europe and over the UK and maybe using them uh, just to uh, sort of assist Air Force One um, in the area. Um, but hopefully, 
I think uh, that is, or I say that maybe the reason that they were over here, or one of the reasons, and uh, most probably some uh, other reasons which are a little bit secretive. So I haven't found out about uh, anything on the, that extra yet. So as um, looking up uh, towards the air show in Dubai, Al In, that's uh, drawn to a close today as we speak. Um, obviously, we've got the red arrows, uh, which are UK and uh, misdemeanor and the Brightling Wingwalkers, they are all um, heading back home um, in the next uh, day or so. Wish them all a safe journey. Um, and this uh, Dubai air show uh, seems as though it's uh, becoming very popular, as we were talking about earlier, and uh, quite big. Yeah, I think I've heard some reports saying that the, that the Dubai air show is, is become um, a quite mm. a huge air show oh, now. Yes. Obviously not accessible to everyone, Um you know, to, to obviously get across to Dubai to to, to see the air show. Yes. Um, but for those who are lucky enough to um, to get a flight across to Dubai just to see it, it, um, it, it has been quite an awesome air show. Yes, year. yeah. And um, on my Facebook page, I'm friends with uh, Mr. Mina. And uh, although this aircraft uh, was due to do its last display, uh, which I saw at Duxford, um, he has actually carried on and... Uh, um, he did head out uh, to this uh, Dubai LL, Alin uh, air show um, to perform here. And um, there are some spectacular photos, which I've just shown uh, Carlos on uh, YouTube. If you want to see him uh, being interviewed about his aircraft and flying um, in the Middle East over the desert, um, at some point he does uh, suggest he's just uh, 10 feet off the uh, sand. Yeah, just just before we just before we started to record the um, show today, Simon was showing me some videos on <laughs> YouTube of uh, Misdemeanor, uh, the Hawker Hunter, and um, it, the uh, videos were showing him flying, um, Jonathan Whaley flying uh, literally feet above the desert um around dubai and it was absolutely stunning footage yes on the side. and uh it was it, it, and uh it's a lovely insight into this aircraft and what it can do and um another good thing about this is if you do uh go onto youtube and watch this uh, which i strongly recommend um he's got his cameras um on the outside of the aircraft he's got one on the uh, top of the aircraft uh, towards the uh, rear which you can see and uh, obviously, this is my favourite um, coloured livery of any aircraft in the whole world. Um, you will actually see that um, when he's flying across the desert, and also he's got it on the um, a camera on the undercarriage um, or fuselage as well. Um, but this, as I said, it, it's it's truly a remarkable uh, footage of him over the desert, just flying ten feet above it and uh, having such an enjoyable time flying this aircraft. And that is one aircraft I'd love to have a f uh, sit in or fly because it is a spectacular aircraft and does a spectacular um, display at any air show. And uh, you've obviously uh, seen this uh, displaying at um, a few air shows. Yes, yeah, I've um, I've stood stood right next to Mr. Mina yes, um, uh, at Farnborough last year yes. uh, where it was on display. And um, it's a, the, the, the paint scheme... Um, for those of you who haven't seen uh, the the Hawker Hunter misdemeanor, the paint scheme is absolutely awesome. It's it's kind of a, it starts off at the nose with like a yellow, uh, a light yellow, moves on, progresses to a sort of darker yellow, then an orange, then a red, and then kind of from sort of the mid uh, wing section back, 
it's uh what do you call that a sort of a star a constellation like yeah, stars yeah. and um it's just an absolute spectacular paint scheme that um all one of the best paint schemes i've ever seen yeah jonathan whaley i was reading here jonathan uh, whaley the owner uh, at the moment of the um of mr mina he's he's owned it for 15 years he's had that aircraft yes and uh that I've uh, seen it, like I said, at many air shows, and it's just an unbelievable aircraft. And the power and the noise when he pushes that to the limits um, is quite, quite astounding, and it's quite spectacular to watch. You know, because on any any day, whether it's a sunny day or a cloudy day or a a day when you've got black clouds, the paint scheme on this just stands out so nice on a, on any cloud. Uh, cover you've got so it's enjoyable whatever the weather um to watch obviously uh, with cloud it does make it a little bit difficult um but it's as i said it's an aircraft and he uh, should be uh, heading home in the next few days along with the brightling wing walkers now they will be put into uh, crates and shipped back to the uk um uh, by sea uh, which is what they normally do because that's um prop small prop aircraft um boeing stearman they do just take the wings off and put them in crates and ship them back as they did uh, when they're in the US. Um, so yeah, and obviously the uh, Red Arrows. Uh, now uh, the air show has come to an end. Um, they have had a, a look at all the photos. They have had an enjoyable time out there in their lovely uh, in the lovely uh, hot weather, and uh, it'll be a bit of a shock to the system when they come back uh, in the next few days uh, to this weather. Yeah, definitely. As as we're recording now, it's um it's just coming up to quarter past six in the evening here, and uh, just looking at the outside uh, temperature, and uh, it's uh, just just on four degrees. Yes, yeah, outside. So, yeah, so they've been away uh, for a few weeks uh, now, and um, it is quite a, a big job, and they will. Obviously, they can't transit back to the uh, UK in one go, so they will do a few stop-offs and refuels on the way and have, obviously have lunch and check the aircraft en route, um, along with the, um, all the support uh, crew. Now, each Red Arrows Hawk, as I said before, has a an engineer, which is and uh, he is set to stay with that aircraft for the season, whether it be Red 1, 2, 3, 4, and so on. So he will actually fly in the rear of the aircraft when they do transit back home and obviously whenever they transit to other areas, he does actually um, take the uh, passenger seat obviously uh, to uh, make sure that the aircraft is okay and does have um, sort of support. So if there is any malfunction, um, they can land at an airport and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, check it out. Oh, we're gonna to have to um, we're gonna to have to keep our eyes open because I did actually look before we um, before we came on came on to record the show today to see if I could find out how much he's got up for sale for, but I couldn't um, anywhere on the internet find out how much uh, how much he's going to put the aircraft yes. up for sale. Yes, for. I'd love to buy it, and uh, but just hope he, um, we keep seeing this in the UK um, air show circuit because, as I said before, it's an aircraft that I would uh, miss. At any air show um, that I go to, so I'm just looking in the picture on this. Can you uh, see that the uh, his uh, helmet? His helmet, yeah, <laughs> is actually matches yeah. the um, matches the sort of the color scheme of the aircraft. Yeah, yeah. So um, the uh, Dubai air show has been run from the seventeenth, uh, obviously, to the twenty-first, and obviously there's 
um, a few air shows. So what have we what have we got coming up then uh, in a the new year then? Um, air, well, air show wise, Bahrain air show. Um, that is in 2014. That is the 16th to the 18th, um, which is a big air show. And that is uh, if you go onto their website, which is www.bahraininternationalairshow.com. Also, the Singapore Air Show, and that is uh, the 11th of February to the 16th, www.singaporeairshow.com. And uh, Air Interiors Expo, Hamburg, Germany, they've got, um, I would take it as just to look at the interior of uh, aircraft or um, something similar. And uh, obviously, eBase, uh, which is the 20th to the 22nd of uh May and that's Geneva International Airport, Switzerland, and uh, Berlin. They've got an air show as well, the twentieth to the twenty-fifth. Close to home, uh, we've got uh, Farnborough International uh, Air Show, twenty fourteen, uh, Hampshire in the UK, and then uh, twenty fourteen uh, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, the World Routes, um, that's September the twentieth to the twenty-third. And then there's Orlando, USA, October the 21st to the 23rd in an air show there. But if you uh, do need to look at, up any air show dates um, for the UK or anywhere in the world, the ones for the UK is uh, Flight Flight Aware, um, they have them. And uh, there are one or two sites that you can go on to to look uh, for dates and aircraft displaying. So that's well worth a look. Uh if you're very interested in air shows, as we both are, we certainly are. We'll be uh, we'll be definitely going to quite a few air shows next year, as we've said before on previous podcasts. And uh, you got your uh, got a camera already uh, ready to use. Yes, yes. Um, uh, well, we're great minds think alike. Uh, you've got a, a Canon 600D, and uh, yep, <laughs> and so have I. <laughs> so and we didn't even discuss that. No, and, uh, that is no. just uh, coincidental that we've uh, we've got the same camera. Um, to take pictures, but I would, uh, if I had the money, I'd love to buy one of those big uh, zoom lenses that a lot of these professional uh, photographers use. Phil Whaley, his uh, one of the professional uh, photographers I'm friends with on Facebook. Now, uh, if you get a chance to look at his photos, they are spectacular uh, photos, and uh, he does that as a profession. Um, so, yeah, um, I've never actually done a photo shoot on a night time, but I've seen some of his and where they floodlight the runway and have the uh, do aircraft runs um, with the floodlights on the aircraft and the actual uh, props uh, running, and that's quite spectacular to uh, look at the photos on that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen a few shots online that, that professional photographers take, and you know if you uh, fiddle around with various yes. settings on camera, yes. you can get some yeah. quite good shots and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That's, um, as we're sort of in December now, uh, things are fairly quiet on the air show uh, front, obviously, like I said. Um, ready, getting ready for Christmas. Yes. Everyone's, um, everyone's saving up to uh, buy plenty of Airfix models and stuff. <laughs> for, uh... Yes, uh, yeah, and um, obviously the Red Arrows, um, it's a big, I keep saying this, and you will hear me uh, talking a lot because they are my passion, the uh, Red Arrows. Um, those uh, aircraft are making their way back home in the next week or so. Um, I don't exactly know a date they are due back at RAF Scampton, um, but that should should be within the next week or so. Um, and once that is done, the uh, obviously the winter training has to start for the new pilots. And uh, being their fiftieth anniversary uh, next season uh, is something uh, to look forward to. And uh, obviously the aircraft have got to be completely stripped down 
after their major uh, transit and flight uh, to the, uh, Dubai and the Middle East. So when they come home, those aircraft will be stripped, um, the nozzles taken off, the electrics and uh, all the uh, everything in the aircraft, the wings off, the tail, um, completely stripped down and a major overhaul uh, ready for the 50th anniversary season and obviously the winter flight training uh, um, during the, the remainder of this year and into the new year um, ready for the next season so that is quite a, a complex uh, job that they have to undertake now uh, to get ready uh, for the 50th anniversary that is just about it from uh, the military side yeah, you know, just looking, uh, going back to as well to do the uh, Dubai Air Show, just reading up um, with Boeing. Boeing actually done quite well at the air show at Dubai, um, where Emirates, um, the actual airline Emirates, placed an order for 150 of Boeing's new 777X, um, the uh, new 777, um, which uh, Boeing are producing. And the deal um, is worth uh, forty-seven billion pounds. Yes. That deal uh, with Emirates—that's for they've ordered hundred and fifty of Boeing's new triple seven um, Xs, and other orders from Etihad, Qatar, and Lufthansa for one hundred and nine of the new triple sevens. Um, previously codenamed, they were previously codenamed the the triple seven X, totaling uh, ninety-five billion, and. Um, I mean that's that's quite that's quite good for that's good news for Boeing. The triple yes, seven, yeah, I think, has been Boeing's saving yeah, flag, grace. One of its flagship mm. uh, aircraft. Obviously, the uh, Boeing seven four seven four hundred is uh, an old aircraft, um, and that is an aircraft that I do like. But I must admit, I've uh, flown on United triple uh, sevens, um, obviously KLM, and uh, one or two other airlines, and I do enjoy flying the. Uh, aircraft uh, the triple seven is is a nice aircraft to fly in yeah also just reading as well about uh about airbus emirates have also ordered some more a380s um the big uh, jumbo double decker um uh, aircraft uh the deal which emirates have made with airbus will see the total number of orders for the a380 um to emirates um being 140 of that, the, that is, that is a, that's a lot, isn't it? That is a lot of uh, a lot of aircraft. Definitely a lot of aircraft. Yes. Um, but there is also some news um, regarding Airbus as well. I've just uh, just seen on here that uh, Airbus are actually facing a potential cut in production of the A380 unless um, more orders are secured from other airlines. Hmm. Um, it's uh, obviously uh, the production rate of the Airbus A380 is, um, is is quite quite fast, really considering how the size of the aircraft. Yes. But uh, it it uh, does obviously cost a lot a lot in uh, man hours and, and yes. stuff to produce the aircraft. <coughs> yeah. um, obviously, if they just sort of slow down in production, cut it, cut that a little bit, that does uh, sort of save their money, I would imagine. So, um, I don't think it's a bad thing, but if um, obviously with the money situation. Money's tightened worldwide at the moment because of the uh, sort of slump in orders for aircraft. So I think that is just to sort of uh, preserve uh, the orders that they do have. And uh, yeah, I was just reading as well, Mr. Cameron, David Cameron, uh, he actually visited the um, the actual air show um, uh, because mainly because of the UK actually competing with France uh, for a potential 60 plane fighter jet deal with the United Arab Emirates. Yes. 
Um, also, Mr. Cameron welcomed the Airbus orders from Emirates uh, and Etihad, as well as the news that Rolls-Royce had won a $5 billion deal yes. order from Etihad Airways to supply Trent XWB engines for their 50 Airbus A350s yes. they've ordered. Yes. Um, so that's good news for Rolls-Royce. Yes, um, and I did uh, actually uh, uh, see that. Uh, he was with the Red Arrow pilot, so it does have... have uh, significance having the red arrows out there it does help uh, promote and stimulate um sort of british uh, economy and everything uh, having the red arrows out there to display and obviously get orders for um parts for aircraft yeah more more, more reduction for the uk yes that definitely. Keep, keeps keeps plenty of people with jobs <clears throat> anyway yes right so that's about all we've got time for on this week's show uh, as always thanks for listening and, um, you know, a, a massive thanks to everyone who's um, supported us and downloaded um, downloaded the podcast um, through the various ways you can, iTunes and such. Uh, it's good to see we've got uh, people who like to listen to our show every week. Yes, um, but um, as, as always, um, if you've got anything uh, you'd like to hear us talk about or um, any questions or anything... Yeah, we've had no one email the show yet. We need, no, we, need we need your emails. Yes, yes, please do send us an email just just to say hello. We can mention you on the show. Email us at uh, plain talking uk at hotmail.com. That's plain spelt P L A N E. So that's plain talking uk at hotmail.com. Also find us on Facebook. Yes. As well, just uh, search for us, Plain Talking UK on Facebook. Yes, um, we've a- I've added a few more photos um, up there, and there is a video of the Red Arrows landing at Norwich Airport, uh, which is up there on that now, so if you uh, are interested. I've seen that, that's awesome. That um, video, yeah. Yes, I, I had that. Uh, that was. I always uh, love the Red Arrows when they come uh, to Norwich Airport, because I have my scanner on, and I normally video uh, them landing and doing the break, uh, the arrival in the Big Nine, the break uh, to land. And then obviously all the comms talk with uh, Norwich Approach and the uh, uh, Red One. So it is very interesting. Uh, and uh, if you want a haircut, that's the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> and also, hopefully, um, we're going to try and get our very first guest on the next show, episode number six. Um, just in talks with um, someone at the moment to uh, try and secure um, via a Skype call, um, get them on the show for a, a, a kind of discussion and stuff to join us on and um, and uh, give us their input as well while we're doing the news and stuff. So uh, we'll try and secure that for the next episode and get uh, get a guest on. And uh, fingers crossed, we, we shan't say who that guest is. It, it'll be a, a surprise, but um, you'll probably... Those of you who do listen to Aviation Podcasts will know who the guest uh, guest is straight away. So don't forget, contact us, Facebook us, send us an email, or you can even send us an MP3 audio file as well if you uh, if you use your smartphone or a recording device and uh, record us a little message, and uh, we will play it on the show as long as you're saying good things about me and Simon. <laughs> <laughs> So that's about it then. Uh, we're just coming up to an hour and 15 minutes, Simon. We've done well. We've, We've done, done well. well. Yeah. Sorry if I've, uh, my throat sounded a bit croaky um, yeah, after a 72-hour week. 
<laughs> let's 72 hour week that's, that's that's just unreal simon hats off to you hats off to you. Thank you so on behalf of me carlos i'd like to say goodbye to everyone thanks for listening and uh take care and we'll we'll hope to uh to or you can all hear us again on episode number six and you simon yeah take care uh thanks uh again to everybody who's uh downloading our podcast um we uh Love uh, you for that, and uh, we'll look forward to um, speaking to you uh, again soon. Take care. Take care, and goodbye.